Hello, friends, and welcome to the Pour Over podcast, hosted by myself, uh, Joe, and Dill. Each week, we bring you our thoughts on a certain episode of a TV show, and most importantly, chit-chat about the very thing so many of us depend on each morning, coffee. And this episode marks the season two premiere of the Pour Over show and the start of our season two of Westworld. This season, we're doing it bigger and badder than ever before with more guests and more analysis and more coffee talk. Today, we're joined by Caleb, a good friend of mine from Columbus, and he'll be joining us throughout this season on different episodes of The Pour Over. So, welcome, Caleb. Yeah, thanks for having me. For sure. So, how's it going, everybody? It's going pretty good, man. Uh, I I realize that we... (laughs) We actually, the first time we, we, we missed our kind of set deadline for ourselves for, for an episode, but that's that's quite all right. Um, we can just say it was oh, a right. season one break, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for season two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. And uh, Caleb is a longtime listener <laughs> of the podcast, yes, so yes. we're very excited <laughs> to have him on board. And, and you're kind of like a... like um tv show movie like kind of all things like aficionado like you like fantasy stuff too and like yeah um yeah tell tell us a little bit about that yeah i spent a lot of time yeah watching tv shows and movies i guess right now i'm uh post-graduation life in the middle of the job hunt so when i'm not looking for jobs i'm watching tv shows and listening to audio audiobooks and all sorts of stuff like that so yeah it's a good mix of you know fantasy sci-fi um documentaries all sorts of stuff so yeah yeah and uh what are some other podcasts or audiobooks that you're into right now um i guess audiobooks i've been listening to a lot of stuff by brandon sanderson um if you're familiar with him at all he has a couple different really cool fun series um mistborn and stormlight archives Mm. and he wrote some of the books in the wheel of time series as well and so i like listening to those um they're pretty fun okay man that's (laughs) deep (laughs) yeah you deep in the fantasy yeah, no, it gets it gets pretty wild, but that'd be the extreme <laughs> fantasy side. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so how's it going, Dill? You uh, you having some good, pretty good brews this week with your uh, coffee? Recently, honestly, it's just been all right. Um, so you know, like last episode, I said I got sick, and like right before that, I actually had a bunch of beans it just kind of worked out that i had like a surplus but then i got sick so i didn't use them so now i have a lot of beans but also a lot of old beans um so i'm still still drinking through those so this week has just been it's just okay kind of stale older beans but you know coffee's still coffee yeah still good (laughs) oh and um can't remember caleb are you a coffee drinker or nah I don't drink coffee all that much. I usually just drink tea, um, but I'm definitely oh. trying to get more into coffee drinking, and hopefully with this uh, vapor water thing, I will be starting <laughs> off right. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, it'll, uh, it's a packet of minerals, so I don't know how much that'll do to your coffee. Um, we've kind of decided, I mean, we've kind of like determined that it makes it smoother, mm. so mm. if you... 
if you like a cup that's a little bit more well-rounded and smooth, then I think it'll kind of encourage that with your coffee. It sounds like it would be up my alley. <laughs> so, yeah. What kind of teas do you like? I'm like really into teas too. Um, I drink, I guess, really all tea. There's not, I guess, a tea that I don't necessarily enjoy. I've been drinking a lot of black tea recently. Mm. Um, I just went on a trip to Northern Ireland back Ooh. in September and pretty much had tea every single day, but it was all just, you know, generic black tea. And so since I've been back here in the States, I've just been drinking a whole lot of black tea. Um, oh, dope. And yeah, but I drink, yeah, all kinds of tea. Mm. Mm. Do you like, um, like the spice teas, like Earl Grey's, uh, and they have yeah, all those weird know. different names. Mm-hmm. Earl Grey, Lady Grey, mm-hmm. Late, yep. all those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all of it, all of it. Nice. This nice. week I actually have also been drinking Lady Grey. Um, coincidentally, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I had a, I, I needed one cup because I, I was helping um, this like high school or my church do some experiment but they don't sell it in just like one package so i bought a whole box um so i've just oh, been drinking it which is fine i mean i like it you know switch up from coffee um but yeah it's good i mean i don't know a lot about tea though it just kind of all tastes like tea but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i I'm, I'm trying to be more literate on tea but apparently and I, I have this book on my coffee table but tea has this expansive history of I don't want to say like, well, maybe I do want to say <laughs> of being stolen from like the Far East mm. and being mm. brought to the Western world. And they've kind of just mucked it up a little bit it just, you know, changed it up mm. to where tea isn't ex- exactly on, in that part of the world or our part of the world, the same as tea that's in like East Asia and mm. you know South Asia. Um. It's like the tea that we drink here and the tea that we drink in Europe is like not actually full leafed teas. Mm-hmm. They're more of like, like if you took tea and like grinded it up and put some other spices in it. So I think, you know, if someone from China were to see that tea, they'd be like, this is not tea. This is like, it's a little <laughs> spice blend you got. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah. And then mm-hmm. they sold that tea. Um, for uh you know different prices but essentially they kind of it's like yeah it's like if they if you took like um like took vodka and like diluted it Mm. um i think it's like kind of the same thing they did with tea anyways that's like a whole nother tangent interesting (laughs) um yeah i'd definitely look into that that sounds really interesting that kind of research and that makes me want to try mm. tea that's not uh, from like a Western centered background or anything like that. Try I'll send you. I'll send you some. Else. I'll put. Um, mm. I'll put some tea in your uh, in your little envelope. Oh yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> Hopefully, it doesn't get opened up and like oh, sending some herbs. To... <laughs> <laughs> Got that special delivery. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very special. Oh. Uh, yeah, what what about you, Joe? How's uh, how your brews been? Pretty good. I've been on the AeroPress kind of train lately. Um, so I've been strictly brewing on the AeroPress and just trying to really dial it in. So I have two different 
uh, coffees I'm using right now. I have an Ethiopian and I have a Guatemalan. Uh, they're both coffees that I got from the coffee festival. And I'm finding that um, your brew method might change depending on your coffee bean. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's almost like next level brewing because, you know, I'm just trying to handle like my brews no matter what bean I have. But I think it goes to roasting too. Like I heard this whole thing about like you're not necessarily supposed to like pick a bean and then pick a roast. It's like you you pick a bean and then you pick a roast that is most consistent to that beans like intended profile so you don't just like get like an Ethiopian bean and then roast it French roast because you like it darker. You should keep it like a light roast because that's where those flavors are going to come out. Mm. Um, and I'm wondering if that's the same thing, like the same kind of mentality with brewing is like you might have to change up your brew method depending on like the kind of profile you want to come out with a certain bean. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that makes sense. I, I don't... I don't know that much about that, but I know sometimes when people talk about dialing in a bean, they uh, they also talk about different brew methods, like, because, um, I mean, it kind of mm-hmm. depends on your personal preferences, like, you know, use an immersion, like, French press or something, there'll be more oils in it, so there'll be a little bit more mouthfeel, but I think if you're trying to get those lighter notes, kind of you're saying, like, the Ethiopians, people usually say, right. like, Chemex or something like that. But, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's all in a spectrum, and I think, I mean, I don't, I'm not one to experiment too much, but I think that's also part of maybe the appeal, where if you have some different brew methods, you can try different things, see what works, mm-hmm. um, kind of mix and match, but, yeah, I mean, I guess there are intended flavors, but then also kind of wh- whatever you want as the person drinking and brewing. Yeah, like you might discover some like hidden flavors, yeah. like a hidden level. Well, um, hmm. Well, the, yeah, this week, uh, our, you know, the Westworld episode is called Journey into Night. And I just thought, you know, because night is kind of like, you know, darkness and darkness associated with espresso, you know, in our world of coffee, um, that's kind of the more uh, roasty, kind of richer, chocolatey um, way of drinking coffee. So I wanted to talk today about espresso love, and I was kind of wondering, you know, how you guys feel about espresso. Um, <clears throat> what do you guys think? Do you guys, do you, you know, if you go to like a coffee shop, do you tend to, move more towards like filter coffee, just drip coffee, or do you want to get like an espresso drink, like a latte or something like that? Mm. It's, a, it's a good question. I think, um, so I, I mean, I just say up front, I don't know a ton about espresso and generally I don't order espresso drinks, but I think, um, kind of maybe showing my, Maybe inexperience or or lack of knowledge, maybe like in the beginning, because I I've only drank coffee for like a handful of years, and before that, mm-hmm. you know, whenever I thought about coffee, I was just thought like Starbucks or whatever, and like 
Um, when I thought of like lattes, cappuccinos, and stuff like that, I I think I yeah. I lumped that with those other like Starbucks kind of mainstream kind of thing. And so I was like, oh nah, mm. that's not legit. I just do my pour overs. <laughs> but you too hipster. More legit is actually doing real espresso bar kind of drinks and stuff. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm slowly exploring it a little bit. Um, but I also am afraid because you know if I if I really get into it. I know espresso machines and stuff are like crazy expensive, um, right? And I already spend enough money on coffee, so that's kind of kind of a thing. <laughs> but yeah, I think there's just this whole other like world of coffee with espresso, you know, and like with milk and like different mix-ins. You can just kind of yeah, there's there's so much you can do with mm-hmm. it that I haven't explored personally. Yeah, I would definitely say of all the coffee options out there, espresso is the one that I'm most interested in mm. trying or mm. getting into. Um, and at least that I think of like, yeah, cappuccinos or things like that, that um, I feel like that's a very common classic idea when I think of people drinking coffee. That's something that I think of a lot. And my brother tends to like those. So mm. um, are you here like, yeah, like the double shot, triple shot of espresso or something like that? And so I've always wanted to try something like that. Yeah. I, I think sometimes like people are kind of like in, in, in the actual kind of frothy, milky form, like with espresso and milk, making a latte, it's very approachable. But I think for someone who just takes shots of espresso like you kind of see that person differently. Like, oh, like damn, that guy's like <laughs> about to put in work somewhere, or like, you know, <laughs> like they can handle their liquor, but you know, they can handle the, handle their coffee liqueur. You know, that espresso. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like I mean, I, I haven't had straight espresso too many times. I feel like it's just so concentrated. I just, mm. I I don't know if I would enjoy it, but maybe it's one of those things you have to learn how to enjoy it. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I used to work in an ER and there's this one doctor that I would, I would, I would always go and just buy him like a double shot espresso and he would just like down it like a shot. And I'm just like, dang dude, like (laughs) you're not even drinking it, but, um, even drip. Yeah. So I I don't know. Oh yeah. I mean, um, my sister was a huge coffee drinker growing up uh, in, in our house and, I think she probably influenced me the most. I mean, she didn't drink espresso. We didn't have an espresso machine at home, but she was kind of the first person that kind of showed me that you can drink just straight black coffee and it'd be like, all right. Like, that's something that she enjoyed. Um, So I I think I have this pull towards espresso that's like, I don't know, that it's kind of like, I think it is a flavor that has to grow on you. Um, and, and I think, I don't know when I think about just drinking a shot of espresso or even like a smaller espresso drink, like a cortado, uh, it has like a certain like whimsy to it. Like it kind of like, it's kind of like fancy and like, you can kind of sip on it. And Mm. like, I think it carries like this certain ambiance when you have like, like a little cup of espresso that you're kind of just like, you know, nursing. Yeah, yeah. Always, it gives me the vibe of, like, really bougie or something, you know, because you're sitting there with, like, your tiny espresso cup. It's like a mug, but, like, a third of the size, 
on like the little saucer, you know, like pinky out or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's kind of kind of the vibe I get. I mean, it's not that, that's not how it is. I I think for me, even now, but especially before too, like when you go to a coffee shop that has an actual espresso bar, you know, has the different menu items, you know, cortado, mm-hmm. latte, cappuccino, all that stuff. I like almost feel intimidated because I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know what all this stuff is, or like, um, there's just so many different options, you know. So sometimes mm-hmm. I think. Because I just order like pour over or drip. It's kind of like like a fallback because that's familiar. Um, mm. and I just haven't had too many espresso based drinks. I mean, although what, what I do kind of my go to is a cortado, um, but not that I order it too often or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, let, uh, let's see. I, I was doing some research for the show, and um, there's actually a Italian Espresso National Institute, and I, I guess it's like, <laughs> yeah, right. It's uh, they 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 weren't even really able to define an espresso, um, and I looked at another website, and they said that there really is no real definition oh. of what an espresso is. Yeah. Um, so the Italian Espresso National Institute defines espresso roughly as the drink obtained by forcing adequately pressurized hot water through coffee powder. I wonder if there's some translation issues there. Um, but that's pretty vague. Yeah, super vague. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) they chose like very purposely vague words. Adequately. (laughs) Adequately. (laughs) Okay. Coffee powder. Um. Yeah. And then, and then, popular science defines it as um, a concentrated, often thick coffee beverage with a layer of dense foam, whose ingredients are exclusively coffee and water, created with a machine that forces hot water through a basket of tightly packed, finely ground coffee for a limited amount of time at a very high pressure. I think that's a little bit more descriptive, and I think that describes both the method of how the espresso is made and then the actual product. Um, and just so our listeners know, uh, and I've learned this recently, that you know that little creamy thing at the top with you know where it's like super rich and almost like milk-like that's called crema, and um, sometimes with uh, the AeroPress, if you have a certain adapter, you can kind of emulate that crema. But that crema is something like super distinctive to espresso. Mm. Mm. So just, I guess, some information there. (laughs) Uh, So I guess maybe let's circle back around to that thing that Dill kind of touched on, like the hobby of espresso making. Um... And I think I would agree with you that it is definitely a distinct hobby. And I think James Hoffman talks about it in his YouTube videos that if you were to get into espresso, there's like a whole nother world, um, you know, of of things to do, things to perfect, um, you know, let alone uh, pay for like all the machine and the equipment. So I don't, yeah, I don't think I would get into that either. Uh, mainly because of that cost aspect and 
I, I think I'm too lazy to really make my own espresso at home. Mm. I'd rather just, you know, go to the coffee shop and have someone else do it for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in his videos, he, he basically, like, I feel like he's trying to dissuade people from, from doing it. Because um, he's like, if you mm-hmm. just want an espresso-based drink from time to time, like, just go buy it at the coffee shop. Because um, it's, it's like... I feel the way he almost describes it, it's almost like someone that has a car that they have to kind of continually work on and tinker with all the time. Because um, on the espresso mm-hmm. machine, there's all these parts that you have to maintain that can break. Like, you know, you have to get the milk frother, you know, and then um, the piston for, for the espresso, like it has to make the right pressure, right. all yeah, that stuff. It. There's just so many mm-hmm. like fiddly parts that um, basically if... You know, if for for most people, doing the Mister Coffee in the morning is already like the maximum threshold. <laughs> um, and then when people see like you know if we do our pour overs or something, you're like man, that's 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 even more work. I just feel like espresso right. is like even more. Where I'm like, yeah, honestly, I I don't see myself like having the time um, enough mm-hmm. to actually go and do that. But yeah. It seems it's it's a it's an investment for sure. Yeah, time and money. Yeah, but but it looks cool. As is that's like like twenty percent of coffee appeal is like is very aesthetic. And it <laughs> makes me look cool and feel cool. All right. So if you want to be cool, you just have to bring your espresso machine everywhere you go. <laughs> Set there up a little is. bar. Yeah, you just have like this <laughs> huge way, case and you just walk around with it. <laughs> oh man. You're doing like an icebreaker in like a small group. You're like, my name is Dill. Today I'll be making a, like tampering it, a latte. Oh man. Yes, very, very extreme. Yeah. Well, cool. I mean, maybe uh, we'll continue to talk about espresso and, you know, how our our flavor palette might change and broaden as we get more into that world. And I don't know, maybe maybe one of these days we'll try one of those manual person like manual domestic espresso makers. Those are kind of cheap, I think. That'd be very cool. We we can get some uh, product reviews on the podcast. Yes, sir. Always looking for that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, I guess we can move on to talking about our Westworld episode uh, for this week. What? what? Um, yeah. It feels like it's been so long. Um, when, when I went, when I got back on, you know, HBO and got on and got on the app to watch an episode, I was like, man, I feel like, yeah, going from watching it every week to like, I mean, it's been like over a month now. I mean, like two months. I, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. but is is good. Um, so yeah, like like we said at the top of the show, um, we're starting our discussions of season two of Westworld today, episode one, Journey into Night. And uh, I'm just gonna read a quick summary of the episode, so you can get a quick refresher. So Bernard finds himself washed up on the shore and is immediately spotted by Carl Strand and others as they're combing the area after the Gala massacre. The group opens up a fallen host's brain and discovers from the host's memory that Dolores was leading the massacre. 
Dolores continues her killing spree and seems to have no sense of mercy or humanity left. Teddy urges Dolores to escape with him to be together, but Dolores refuses in order to kill all the humans in Westworld. Suddenly, Bernard experiences flashbacks of events immediately following the murder of Ford and sees visions of himself firing a machine gun. Charlotte Hale and Bernard flee the gala to a secret underground bunker in order to find the Abernathy host. Bernard continues to experience seizure-like symptoms and injects himself with a host cerebral fluid to fix himself temporarily. Meanwhile, Maeve, along with Hector, forcibly commission Lee to help her find her daughter. The man in black, William, uh, elated about the new rules of Westworld, evades the rebelling host and discovers a new level to the maze. Oh, man. Okay, okay. Uh. Yeah, yeah. So back into it. I mean, I guess, like, on any initial mm-hmm. impressions or, like, maybe, you know, how, how you felt after watching the episode, you know, you could sum it up in a couple words or something. Um, yeah, well, what would you guys think of this this one? Yeah, this episode was, it was pretty wild. Um, definitely... There was a lot of time hopping, and so at first mm-hmm. it was a little confusing to like keep track of what was going on because it was it would jump forward and then jump backwards and jump forward and jump backwards. And so um, I guess in keeping in line with what the show is kind of very classically have, has done in the past, you know, it's very good at keeping the audience kind of on its toes and kind of always mm-hmm. questioning, you know, what's going on, what's uh, actually happening. So, yeah, it was definitely a little bit of a challenge at first to kind of keep track of what was going on because yeah there was lots of time hopping and stuff right yeah i was like no not again i don't (laughs) want to deal with these multiple timelines just when you thought we would like be right after the gala like it's like okay yes and then bernard's like oh god (laughs) going back in time yeah, I mean, this time, though, it seems like it's only, like, a two-week difference, you know? It's, like, yeah. immediately mm. after the massacre, and then also two weeks later is when Bernard is found right. on the beach. Um, so mm. I guess, you know, the the time difference isn't quite as big, but it's also, yeah, Not pretty like disorienting. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree that... Um, this episode was a little disorienting. Um, I think um, also it, it kind of felt like they had to reintroduce all the characters in very small vignettes. Obviously, yeah. they focused more on Bernard, I think, this episode. But mm-hmm. it just it, it gave us little tastes of everyone. And I don't know, even I don't know if I actually like that. Oh. I, I think I would... I think I would like it more if they didn't show us everybody in the beginning, like in the first episode, and focus more on like Bernard to kind of set the stage. Mm. But seeing like little clips of Dolores and Teddy and then William, I felt like was like kind of doing a disservice to their character mm. because I was mm. like, from the get go, I'm like, oh, I'm not that invested in you, Dolores, because you just seem so one dimensional now. And then like with uh, with Men in Black, I was like, okay, we get it. You want to play in this new world and like play by these new rules, and you, you know, and I, I don't know. To me, and you guys can disagree. Just like felt like it was a little scattered. I guess. Yeah, I think um, I don't know if I am remembering correctly, but 
in the first episode of the first season, I think they took a similar tactic in that they just kind of, like, mm. showed a bunch of people. Um, although, I, I feel like that episode was, I mean, like, still one of my favorites. Um, but yeah. I think they... I think they choose to do that because it sets up the different narratives for the rest of the season. Um, Mm. So now I feel like we have a taste, just like small previews of the ways they're going to go. I mean, I agree, though. Like, I feel like Dolores and Teddy barely got any screen time. And because of that, I was just like, oh, yeah, I forgot they were a thing, you know? And (laughs) I, I I, I almost took away from the more main stories for this episode, you know, Bernard and Maeve, I felt like. And, yeah, so I, I kind of agree with that. It felt like they were kind of trying to do maybe too much. Um, uh, what did you think about it, Dill? like, uh, overall? Uh, overall, um, I, I, mean, I, mean, I, I liked you... the episode. I thought okay. it... Hmm. Maybe maybe that's where I like reflecting on it because you say you you kind of didn't like how they showed everybody, um, but for mm. me because I feel like we took a break right and then for the people actually watching the show live they took like a huge break I think it was like a year or more <laughs> I don't know, um, but for True. me it's almost like oh yeah seeing all the people again you know um, so I actually I mean I I think I appreciated it because it, it reminded me of who everybody was, um, mm. but then I mean they didn't show actually every single character from their first season because a bunch of the secondary characters. Um, I don't even know if they're going to continue on or not. But, um, yeah, I, I, I like this because I, I, I thought it was a good connection between, like, the last season and how all that ended, all that craziness, transitioning into mm-hmm. this new story um, where I, I think they, like, um, they, like, showed similar places and said similar lines from the first season but Mm -hmm. they're Mm -hmm. presented in a really different way kind of to show like the tone and the whole setting of season two is much more chaotic um and yeah you know i i I think one of my favorite shots was they showed the piano playing you know like because they do all the Mm -hmm. time you know piano is playing in the the saloon or whatever and they slowly zoom out and then there's just like all these dead hosts and like dead guests i assume like all around And you're like, oh, shoot, mm-hmm. you know, because um, this season two now, the hosts are rising up and like everything is just changing. So it's like it's still yeah. the Westworld. We kind of come to know, but everything's changed. All the rules have changed. Yeah. yeah. And I even like just kind of right off of that, it's kind of interesting, even in the actual the I guess the opening theme music that plays but it has all mm-hmm. the opening credits and all that stuff like that all the animations for that have changed too yeah. and the background is a lot darker mm-hmm. and all the little like mm-hmm. creations that are being made are breaking away from the things that are making them and so it was very interesting to see how that's also being reflected in the show now yeah totally right. totally I, I noticed that too and i was like yeah it's it's very different and like that whole first i feel like portion of the episode like bernard waking up like he was super disoriented and then we were also really disoriented yeah. and then i feel mm. like they they almost like brought it back after the man in black i think um realizes the rules have changed and he's like excited i think that's they actually started mm-hmm. playing the normal theme music at that point oh and it's kind of like going back oh, to wow. like a sense of like oh yeah this is familiar 
Um, yeah. and, and for me in that, I was kind of like, oh yeah, it's back to the game, you know, back to just being in the Western, at least for him, that's what's happening. Yeah. He actually likes it even more mm-hmm. now. Um, but yeah, cause before it's like, it, it just felt off, you know, a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So overall I like the episode and I mean, makes me look forward to the rest of the season. Yes, maybe we can talk a bit about Dolores. I mean, I know she she's not really the main focus of this episode, but uh, she's still like the main character. I feel like, and she's the one kind of leading the charge in all this change and chaos. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, what what are y'all's thoughts on Dolores? She's like totally different, even in the few scenes we have. Like, you you like that or or no? Um, what, what what do you think? Yeah, this is. I guess this is kind of interesting um to see i guess her character because at least at the end when we last see her she kind of has this realization recognition of a consciousness that you know is her own voice at the end of the last season and then that leads to her you know um kind of starting off this whole um rebellion and so Mm -hmm. yeah seeing her now and yeah like you guys were saying that she's kind of a little, you know, violent and bloodthirsty. She's out there killing a bunch of people. Um, but then there's also this, like, the first time you see her when they're opening or they're looking at the um, one of the hosts, they're looking at his memories to see how he died. And Dolores says um, that uh, not all of us deserve to make it to the Valley Beyond. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of mm-hmm. like this... Seems like there's an agenda that she has of... Because at first it seems like, okay, she's just trying to kill all of the you know the humans and the corporate people that are there but she's also killing Mm -hmm. hosts and so it's Mm -hmm. kind of i guess a little interesting of like okay what is what are her motivations what does she got going on because she has a plan for something and then even later when she's talking Mm -hmm. with teddy um she says something along the lines of you know i've seen how this all ends and you know i have you know this whole plan from take for like yeah like taking over the world from the humans, um, these people that look like us and act like us, but they're not us. And so I guess it was interesting to see kind of this new character for Dolores, but then also it was very mm-hmm. um, kind of veiled as to like what her intentions are. They didn't really reveal a lot of that, which is, mm-hmm. I guess, good because then it kind of keeps you wondering and like, you know, what is going to happen with her character? Right. She's kind of turning it. Maybe she's turning into like the man in the black hat for this season. Hmm. Like, kind of this rogue character who, I mean, I, I can't really say she's completely, like, anti-human because she's also, she also killed that host, like you said. Um, so I wonder how her, like, I wonder how her M.O. would either, would either vibe or or not vibe with Maeve's M.O., mm-hmm. which is also, mm-hmm. you know, also kind of like, well, these people created us but we're they're no better than us we're better than them i wonder how you know if they have the same agenda which Mm -hmm. i i want to say they probably don't yeah that's a super interesting that's actually one of the one of the conversation points i uh i wanted to get to because i feel like you know both mave and dolores are i mean they're, they're both living through this like expansion of awareness and you know um becoming self-aware and all of that i feel like their response to it is just really different though in, in, my, in my opinion like mm-hmm. you know yeah dolores is kind of going off in this whole like almost i feel like she, she's like a little crazy you know and she's like speaking <laughs> in these 
like you know the, using this imagery and stuff he's like yeah i've seen the end teddy right. it ends with me and you you know and like <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. uh you, you okay like, like, um, <laughs> and then she's like yeah we have this world here you know we're gonna take it but then they have a world out there and we're gonna take that too I'm like, oh, jeez, yeah. like something is off. You know, I feel like if I was just hearing that, not knowing she's a host and stuff, I was like, there's like an evil supervillain that's also a little mm-hmm. just psychotic. Um, but I feel like Maeve mm-hmm. is still very like put together. She still has her purpose and she knows what she's doing. Um, but maybe that's also mm-hmm. personality difference. But personality. That's what yeah. I was gonna say too. Yeah. Yeah, so that's an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, but if you think about it, Dolores has never really had a personality. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of what she's saying this whole time is like, yeah, I've either been Dolores, like the farms farm uh, farmer's daughter, or I was Wyatt, and I was this crazy maniac. And so now she's, I guess, trying to find somewhere in between, mm-hmm. or maybe completely establish herself as someone new. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should go to Maeve and talk about her for a little bit. Um, she's still like a boss, you know. She's still, yeah. <laughs> she's still like the the most badass host in the uh, the whole show. For real. Yeah, it seems like Maeve is the only one now with like control over the other hosts. Because um, you know mm-hmm. the the humans, you know, they tell them freeze all motor functions. You know, it's not working. Uh, but Maeve can still tell them and command them. Um, yeah. so that's uh, pretty interesting and then um, this this episode too kind of gives a couple of new like character pairings that we didn't have before in the first season I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of shows do that which you know, kind of adds some depth and it makes it a little bit more interesting and like uh, well I, I don't know if this makes it more interesting but you know Maeve and Lee um, get paired up and uh, after the episode I was just like Lee's the new Felix <laughs> um, but I guess like we know a bit more about Lee, so maybe it makes it a little bit more okay. And like he he has a bit of a personality, you know. He like tries to uh-huh. turn Maeve in and stuff like that. Um, but still, it's like Maeve is just um, the super aggressive kind of domineering host, and then this like uh-huh. human that she pushes around and bosses around for her own like. Right. Yeah, I like um, there's one scene with um, Lee and Maeve when they get into the control room. And I think it's right after Maeve shows him like the piece of paper that she has that like where her daughter is. And he's trying to tell her where it is, but that it doesn't really matter because all of her memories that she has of her daughter isn't real. Yeah. And she they, then her mm-hmm. and uh, Lee have this you know conversation about, you know, what is real? And Maeve like asking, you know, is this real? She like holds the gun up to his face and all this stuff. And uh-huh. um, so that was a very interesting commentary about reality um, and kind of, you know, what, especially with the hosts and their whole quest and desire to kind of, become more aware of themselves and kind of their purpose and all this. I thought it was a very interesting conversation, especially with Lee, who's this guy who like his purpose in the park was just to create these stories, these fake realities. But then now these realities are starting to like come alive. And so that was a very interesting conversation there. Mm. Oh, wow. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Do y'all have any thoughts like on her whole mission, like her whole goal of just looking for her daughter, you know, like, 
Does that make sense to you? What, what like her decisions and stuff? Um, or is that something you feel like is interesting? Are you saying like, are you saying that that is it her own volition? Or um, are you yeah, about I mean, like... I could. I I think there there's some allusions to that question in the first season. Um, there were, yeah, yeah. It just feels very. I don't like. I it feels not not random, but also like that. I there's not a lot of context for it for for me. I feel like you know she's like becoming self aware mm-hmm. and all this stuff, but she's still turning back to like her original storyline. Um, it mm-hmm. just seems a little, yeah, a little weird, you know. Yeah. Um, but maybe it is just like, you know, questioning was real. You know, like you said, Caleb. Like these are stories that Lee wrote, but now they're becoming real. So I don't know. Hmm. I, I think it shows that you know, despite how um, together Maeve has it, she has an Achilles heel, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. maybe it'll come up in future episodes but she's very emotionally attached to this narrative despite it not being real um and that might be her downfall ultimately i don't know Mm. i mean she's the most powerful host for sure like with you know having all her characteristics boost up boosted up Mm -hmm. um I mean, she, I think she could really take on anybody. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was interesting to see, like, when when she first runs into Lee, and um, I I forgot what what he's saying. He's like basically like he's like noticing that she she has power basically, and then she's like, mm-hmm. I've died for this, you know, I've died multiple times for this, um, just to get to this point. So it's like she's been sacrificing for it, you know. It's mm-hmm. kind of like her her investment in this. So it's like interesting. It's like this is a storyline, but then she's literally. I mean, she she didn't come back to life, but you know, she like sacrifices herself over and over, suffers for it. So like, does that make it real? Um, at least for her. Mm. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think we should move on to to kind of the main main chunk of the episode, talking about Bernard mm. um, in the yeah. two weeks after, but also immediately. After the massacre, too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Any uh, thoughts on on Bernard as kind of like this first episode is kind of just presented through his lens, kind of his experience for mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. Um, right? Yeah. What What y'all think about that, and uh, what would you like, or maybe didn't like? Yeah, I think kind of like what we were going, we were talking about um, at the beginning about how there's all these different timelines that's kind of jumping back and forth, um, I think. And it's following, it seems like Bernard is kind of breaking down or something. There's something going mm. on and he's having some sort of malfunctions. And so even at the beginning of the episode, he's talking, there's like a short little cut where he's talking with Dolores. And um, then he's like having all these flashbacks and all this stuff. And right before it cuts to, I think either the credits or... The, when he's on the beach, um, there's a voice that asks, you know, is this now? Mm. And then the rest of the episode oh. is just kind of Bernard bouncing around these different times of like both the current time, the two weeks after um, the gala, and then both the immediate, like right after um, all of it was kind of going on. And so I thought that was interesting kind of setting up from the very, very beginning. It's kind of this questioning of like, you know, what, what time is actually happening. But then with Bernard himself, yeah, it seems like he's 
definitely having some problems, which is interesting. I don't know if he was having, I guess this is maybe all stemming from uh, him getting all of his memories back, and he seemed to be mm. kind of shaky at the end of the last season. But it seems like he's really, at least in this episode, he was really breaking down and, like, leaking fluid out of his ear yeah. and all this crazy stuff and, like, shaking around. So... Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, like, I think you were uh, saying earlier, Dylan, um, you know, it kind of matches, like, you know, the audience is really confused. Um, and so as the audience is confused, you're also, you know, kind of seeing that through Bernard's um, eyes as he's also kind of confused trying to walk through all of this. Yeah, I feel like Bernard has, and we've talked about this in previous uh, shows, but, like, he's always kind of been like you're saying Caleb kind of the character who we see through um and he's had such a dynamic story arc so far too like in the very beginning kind of being the right hand man to Ford and that was like oh that's kind of cool and then him kind of being the guy that's like trying to like figure things out and like being the investigator and they're like okay yeah I dig that and then he like kills Teresa. You're like, oh no, come on, man. <laughs> you know, and so you kind of see like that he's more of a tool of Ford instead. Mm. And then towards the at the very end of season one, you're like, oh man, this guy's this guy's pretty cool because he's like teams up with Maeve again, and like you seem like he's gonna be part of like this like host rebellion. And then now like season one, I think he's brought back to a low point where it's like he's like mm. weak. And it's like, oh, man, it's like you kind of feel for him. Um, and, uh, yeah, like you guys are saying, you feel disoriented as well. Yeah, that, that reminds me in, in that first scene when he's talking to Dolores, um, he's telling her that he has a dream and that yeah. he, he like they were all at the beach or something. But then he said that basically they left him. And so I, I don't know mm. what the significance of that is, mm-hmm. you know, like I guess all the other hosts or, or whatever. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm very curious because, uh, you know, Bernard mm-hmm. seems to be, you know, like the main, the the guy that the, the story is centering around now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, beginning, oh, middle, I mean, end, like he's kind of he's there and he's kind of one of the main people. Um, yeah, I mean, did that did that first uh, dream that Bernard have at the beginning of the episode? Did that refer back to the very end where he was at the shore with all the dead? Yeah, mm-hmm. is that is that connected there, or is he was he talking about something else? I feel like that was connected. Um... I mean, he says, yeah, like the opening line is, you know, yeah, I was, I dreamt I was on an ocean mm-hmm. with you and the others on a distant shore. You'd left me behind and the waters were rising around me. Yeah. And so, and then, yeah, mm-hmm. at the very end of the episode, there's like this ginormous ocean that's in the middle of Westworld and all of these hosts are just kind of dead there. Um, yeah. So I feel like that was definitely a strong connection that they're trying to make between those. Yeah, which is interesting because I think when I first heard that is like, my my thought is like, oh, he teams up with the host and like, they leave him, you know, like they escape or you know, they mm-hmm. do something, but then yeah. at the end it's like, they're all dead, and he's alive, right. and then Bernard says he killed him. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So I was, I was very confused. Because um, also, like, I think that's the valley beyond. I, I don't know. Because um, Dolores oh. and the um, stagehand or whatever, like, they reference this place called the valley beyond. And, hmm. and then when they're going to it, to, like, that ocean place, Bernard and the Delos people, they're like, oh, yeah, all the hosts are in this valley or something, I think. Like, they're in this place. And then they're surprised because there's a bunch of water there. Um, so I'm not mm. sure, like, that's the valley or, or not. Um, like, you know, are they showing us the beginning and the end of the season, kind of, and then they'll just fill in the middle. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, a lot of questions around Bernard and what what's up with him. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like he even has questions for himself. But yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of poor poor stagehand, man, that kid just wanted to help. Yeah, well, he, yeah. yeah, he got he, <laughs> he gets got hit wrecked. in the face. Ugh. Yeah, two okay, two innocent kid hosts died in this episode. Yeah, kid Ford, man, <laughs> like well, kid, kid Ford, Ford man. innocent. I don't know. Oh, that's that true, was that's rough. True. Yeah, it was oh, yeah, kid true, porn true. Innocent. Yeah, that's a real yeah. question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that super interesting. He he goes and finds mm-hmm. a man in black, and then his voice goes all weird and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was I don't know what the significance of this. I mean, this is obviously you know trying to hint at something, but yeah, in that conversation that Ford or Baby Ford and <laughs> William uh, have, uh, where. Um, you know, he tells him, you know, now you're in the little kid Ford says now you're in my or yeah, now you're in my game. In this game, you have to make it out. Um, mm. This game is for you. It ends where you began and begins where you end. Mm. Um, and then the game yeah. will find you and kind of like set up this whole thing. And it seems like Ford, you know, had this in plan, like he was planning this, you know, years and years and years ago. And this has been in the works for a while, but it's going to be. Yeah, it's like very veiled you know what does that mean you know it ends cryptic. where you began and begins where you end yeah kind of setting that off for william was interesting yeah yeah super super interesting so i think yeah i it's interesting because i feel like in the first season um like young william uh, he kind of for me represented a lot of like the the western theme you know like the actually like western based scenes i feel like we're, we're him experiencing mm-hmm. them and I feel like now Man in Black, old William, is going to be that too. Because then he's he's out here killing people. He's like actually playing the game for real this time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm interested how that all goes. Um, but yeah, I feel like this first episode, though, was like pretty brutal. Like pretty um, graphic in, in a lot of ways. Like even in the beginning when they mm-hmm. open that host's head, they actually like show his brain oh, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and, like the guy puts his fingers in it. I'm like, oh, like dang. Yeah, <laughs> um, I feel like they. He's like, is this gonna be sterile? I, I think they like increased their budget for this season because I think season one was mm, so good mm. or like did so well. Um, I feel like they threw a lot more like background characters, a lot more like tech kind of stuff in in this first episode mm-hmm. at least. Where I was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Yeah, speaking of tech, the those those uh drone hosts oh, yeah. in the underground. Yeah. Like that that looked like something straight out of like Alien or Prometheus, mm. you know? Right. That was very cool. Yeah. Those things are wild. Yeah. Yeah. Those are like because those are controlled by Delos, I guess is the implication there. So almost mm-hmm. it's like 
that's their vision of the host almost is kind of they like just these mm. stray robots that kind of do stuff whereas i feel like ford mm. and other people are like trying to make them more human and and stuff like that but i found that right. very interesting it's like yeah what's delos doing it's just like the evil just goes deeper yeah. you know right they're setting up that whole thing with like you know bernard asking are they extracting like the the um the experiences of the people who visit yeah, they're like the DNA. west oh, world yeah. are they taking their dna and DNA, you know what yeah. is what is going on you know the, what is i guess the bigger picture behind west world that you know hasn't been shown so far yeah yeah that, that like kind of came out of left field for me i was like wait what like why, why why would you ask so specific um yeah but you know obviously he he understands what's happening and, and stuff but mm-hmm. yeah so i think it's yeah there's there's still this level of like organizational evil or something you know before is kind of like mm-hmm. you know like Teresa or like you know this the management of the park mm-hmm. but now now that the park's just gone to chaos delos is still the overarching organization doing some bad stuff mm, mm-hmm. um, yeah mm-hmm. so I don't know um, a lot of I don't know it's just yeah. in typical Westworld <laughs> fashion maybe that's how the first episode is supposed to be right 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 just setting up all the like we said earlier yeah, setting up all the storylines for the, the season so yeah yeah um, do, do y'all have like after watching this first episode you got like one thing you're looking forward to most like to figure out or to see happen in the season. I feel like just seeing more of, uh, yeah, like kind of more of the behind the scenes. Cause it seems like, yeah, even at the very end, it, there seemed like the hinting of Westworld not being, you know, the only park and yeah. kind of the world being a lot bigger mm-hmm. than just the small little thing that we saw in the first season. So I'm interested to see kind of where they go with all of that and um you know how much bigger this world is and even like it seems like Dolores knows a lot more about that bigger world than um you know we've seen up to this point and so it'll be interesting to kind of see how you know her plans fit in with this world as they start to reveal it right yeah I'm curious about Dolores I, I want to see if she is going to be a character that's going to be a little bit more complex because I feel like right now she, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things that she doesn't, that we don't know about her and kind of her motivation, but she just seems kind of, like I said in the beginning, kind of one dimensional, just like doing some evil stuff and like killing people. But like, Mm -hmm. it's like, why? And also like, are you still going to have that moral conflict that made you so interesting in the first season? Mm -hmm. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I hope they kind of kind of unpackage that a little bit more. Yeah. 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 Um, what about you? I'm uh, super interested just in Bernard's story arc, you know, like. Oh, you and your Bernard. Yeah, you know, but Bernie's my boy. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it's like he's starting the season with this like critical issue, you know, like how does that play into it? Like, does, does he make it through the season? Like, you know, mm-hmm. just what happens with him, you know, that that's where most mm-hmm. of my questions are surrounding. And I feel like that's where a lot of the the first episode focused on. So, yeah, it's like, well, what is the journey that Bernard took from from waking up, you know, and then going that two weeks? Um, yeah. 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 
Okay. Um, any last thoughts on the episode before we wrap up our discussion? Oh, I, I like in, in the notes here. Someone put that Teddy dies again. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't even like yeah, note does. that. <laughs> I had to check again because yeah. I wasn't sure. Yeah, you go ahead, Caleb. No, I was gonna say the same thing. Like it, it zoomed in on his face. That was like one of the closing scenes in the episode, and I was like, "Who? I don't recognize." In the water, like I couldn't tell who that was. So I yeah. actually had to look it up and see who it was. And then <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's Teddy again." <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh, yep. Like he, the, the couple of scenes he had were like they started strong, man. He actually had a little bit of death, mate, a little bit of going on, but he just mm-hmm. ends up dying. Yep. So <laughs> that is his. Fate. Did he die in the first episode of the first season too? Yeah, I think he gets shot by some random. Yeah, human. William comes in and he, and the, or the man in black, I should say, comes in and kills him, doesn't he? And kills him. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people killed him. Yeah, oh <laughs> classic Teddy. Uh, yeah, poor poor Teddy. That's funny. But, uh, oh, and I yeah. guess I was gonna say. Uh, well, I'm just one more random thing. I was just looking through all my notes. So just another crazy thing. They found a tiger. Yeah. That mm. um, crossed the borders into Westworld. So that was kind of interesting to see. You know, what is a hint maybe of what this other park could be. Mm-hmm. In the future, mm-hmm. they might talk about that'll be interesting. Yeah, that is super interesting because then I think in the season finale we saw like a samurai world kind of thing. They're like samurai yeah. hosts, right? So, yeah, the world's just expanding as as our like Western themed world is kind of falling apart. Mm. Um, yeah, super interesting, but cool. We uh, we will continue the discussion as we watch further episodes. But um, as always, yeah. we like to end our episodes by asking each other what's making us happy. So, um, yeah, what's uh, what's making you happy this week, guys? Um, I, I can go first because I, I, I thought about it a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, what's, hap- what's making me happy this week isn't necessarily anything that actually happened this week, but... It's the uh, prospects that um, winter break is coming up soon for me. Mm. I'm a student, mm-hmm. you know. So a couple of weeks <laughs> from now, I'll be done with the semester and I'll just no no school um, for for a little while. So that's that'll be nice. Uh, Christmas break, you know, hang out with the family, stuff like that. Um, yeah, ready for a break from school. Mm. Nice. I guess, yeah, for me, I think it's been cool. This week, I've been having some, I guess the week started off a little bit rough, had some car troubles Mm -hmm. and all that, that made my car out of commission, which is unfortunate, but it's at least Mm. been cool this week. I've had a lot of things going on kind of throughout the week, and so it's been nice to look forward to, you know, hanging out with friends and kind of more than often, uh, more than what usually happens during the week, so it's been nice to at least have some fun with friends, at least every night this week so nice. far so that's been pretty cool nice yeah. and getting to be on the podcast so. hey. <laughs> oh set. yeah hey uh let's see yeah kind of like caleb the beginning of the, the beginning of this week has been kind of rough um 
and you know work has been really busy and I can definitely feel the tension rising among the students as we enter you know that last stretch before winter break um but um I guess what's making me happy this week was something I did last week so I'll cheat a little bit um but (laughs) I was able to go to a um a kind of a table, a roundtable discussion about human rights in Dayton. Mm. And um, it was hosted by some students at University of Dayton who um, who are interested in human rights and, um, you know, amnesty across the world. And so, um, yeah, we were just in this small kind of like, almost looked like kind of a storage compartment. And we had tacos together mm. Uh, there were banners of all different religions around in in this hmm. um, in this small room, all with the golden rule, because that's that's one of those universal um, ideas, you know. Um, so it was just cool to discuss with people in the area about kind of what are the different uh, risk factors and what are the different um, kind of negative things happening in the city, but also what are some of the positive initiatives going on and. One really interesting discussion was at the end when we had kind of this elevator pitch time where you could stand up and kind of share about kind of what your organization does and kind of kind of a quick 10-minute pitch about kind of who you are and kind of how you support the city. We actually had a guy who is, uh, who is a Native American, and he stood up and he shared basically saying – how we had this whole discussion about human rights and did not discuss at all Aboriginal rights. Mm. So the rights Mm. of the people who are native to this land. And he kind of just, he opened my eyes to the, you know, kind of, we complain a lot about kind of all these um, terrible things that are happening in in our society, you know, almost in a um, kind of in a vacuum from, the fact that this land was stolen from um, a community and a nation of people that were living um, pretty harmoniously and, um, you know, it wasn't until we took their land and put them on reservations and uh, and then put, um, kind of set them up to fail with, and it was this whole, this, this whole thing and just like, just having these, waves of like um information coming into my brain like oh man that's crazy anyways um that stuff that kind of stuff that kind of dialogue is really interesting to me so that's what's making me happy this week is just I was able to engage in that kind of conversation and dialogue with some people that I probably wouldn't have even met if I didn't go out and just um check out this event so yeah that's yeah. what's making me happy yeah very cool very cool that's really cool yeah yeah Well, thanks, guys, for being here for this um, start of the second season. Um, Had a good conversation. Looking forward to having more in the future. Caleb, thanks for coming on the show. Um, Hope to have you back soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And, uh, yeah, tune in next week as we continue with Westworld Season 2. Yeah. So uh, this was the Pour Over Podcast. You can email us at pourovershow at gmail.com and tweet us at pourover underscore show. 
Our artwork is by Daniel Liu. Find him on Instagram at Here Comes Daniel. Music is by Joshua Yin. You can listen to his other tracks on SoundCloud.com slash Kid Majestic. One word. Thanks for joining us and take care.